good to have you here this morning. It is a privilege to gather together. This morning, I don't have any version of Santa Claus for you. I don't have Frosty the Snowman. I don't have any of that. What we have is a story that you've heard and heard and heard. What better could I give you than Luke chapter number 2, verse number 11? You probably don't even need to turn to it. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Can you get your mind to wrap around that this morning? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This is the day we celebrate Christmas. All over the country and all over the world, people are celebrating Christmas. And they're celebrating by giving and receiving gifts. I don't know if you've opened your gifts yet this week or this today, but these gifts that are given come in all shapes and all sizes. They range in value from a few pennies to thousands of dollars. The gifts that are given are given for all kinds of reasons. That's what we do is we give gifts at Christmas. How the gift giving got started, nobody is really sure, clear, they're not really sure, it's not really clear how gift giving got started. And without a doubt, over the years, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, it has really changed over the centuries how and what we give as gifts. I suppose some might argue that the tradition stems from the wise men who brought their expensive and unusual gifts to the baby Jesus. Some might say that's where the gift giving started. But the reality is, it's as Tozer says, God is always previous. Meaning, God's always first on the scene. And the giving of gifts at Christmas didn't start with Charles Dickens, with St. Nick, or even the wise men. The giving of gifts at Christmas started with God yeah. himself. I'd like to explore that option for a few moments this morning. We'll entitle this Christmas Gifts. Christmas Gifts. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we need you this morning desperately. We are here to celebrate the coming of your son. But we do not have the capacity to appreciate truly appreciate what took place unless by your spirit you will take us where we need to go father there are needs in this room in fact there are as many needs as are there as people here and each need is different and so we ask that you would meet each need let no one be overlooked today would your spirit we're asking that your spirit would do that perfect work in each heart and each life that needs done. Father, glorify the Lord Jesus and give us what he already purchased. For we ask it in his precious holy name. Amen. For most of the people in the world, they're content to see the little baby in the manger and acknowledge, at least in part, that Christmas 
is at its core a celebration of that birth. And once they've done that little acknowledging, they just go on with their own family traditions and the gifting, gift exchanging without ever bothering to really try to comprehend exactly what was given in the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, to leave the gifts that God gave us at that time unwrapped and unexplored is, not, is very much akin to what we talked about at the beginning of the service. Looking at the box, playing with the box while the really wonderful thing is laying there. This morning, I don't want you to be content with just saying, hey, we were here for Christmas. And leave the gifts that God gave untouched. My grandpa loved Christmas, and he would, right before it's time to open presents, he said, it's time to rip and tear. And that's what we want to do here this morning. We want to plunge into this and explore what did God give us at Christmas? What were these original gifts? Now, I do not expect to cover everything that God gave us. That would be an impossibility. And I'm quite sure that there are some of the gifts that were given, some of the main ones that I won't even have a chance to mention this morning. But I hope that we'll catch a glimpse of what God gave each of us individually at Christmas. So let's start. I've got seven of them here. I'll, won't, I'll take a little more time on some than others. Number one, he gave the gift of love. He gave the gift of love. I started working at this church right out of college. That means I have not worked at very many places. But when I was first married... I worked package car help for UPS at Christmas time for two weeks. Don't ever do that. I don't care how much money they're paying. Don't ever do that. I happened to be working with, a, with Bobby Toomey. Some of you know him. He was driving a package car downtown and on, south of Grand. It was so cold on the truck that my pop froze solid on the truck. It was brutal work. We were delivering downtown mostly to businesses. And I, of course, I'm interested in these things I'm delivering, and so I started watching the packages. A lot of it was business-type packages, but most of what we were delivering was Christmas gifts from one business to another. This medical office sends a gift to the doctor, because he buys supplies off them. This lawyer sends a gift to this lawyer. This business sends a, this gift to this business. Why are they sending these gifts? Because they want business to continue. So they must acknowledge. And the gifts showed it. They were not gifts that you could look at them and say, these people don't know who they're giving these to. You know the generic kind of gifts that you give to the person you don't really know who they They sell them all through the mall. You know, there's packages of meat or crackers or cheese or coffee or, you know, you don't have to know the person in order to give them. You know what I'm talking about? These generic style gifts. That's what all of these gifts were. They were not gifts of knowledge. They were gifts of, I want to do business with you next year, so I'm acknowledging it this year. You everybody understand where we're at here? Now, compare that with this little item. As I was sitting in my office, I got so lonely last night as I thought through this. I smiled and was lonely all at the same time. When the kids were little, 
just little. The dollar stores are different than they were back when the kids were little. They used to offer a lot more variety of things. So we take the kids to the dollar store so they could buy gifts for their siblings, for their grandparents, and for us. I wish you could, I wish I could have a video on that. You could have seen what took place. It was so wonderful. It's, it's hard to even get it to come out. They would go and they would get their little cart. And they would run through the store looking. You've never seen squirrels look for things like these kids were looking. They were looking for the best gifts. And they found them in the store. They would find, they did an amazing job shopping. But their other siblings were in the store too and so were we. So they would take their coat and they would put it in the cart and they would slide all their gifts underneath so nobody could see these things. They look like little shoplifters is what they look like. And through the store they would go searching for the most wonderful gifts. Then they'd go through the checkout line by themselves and they'd get all these gifts and then they would go home. And they would get the wrapping paper and they'd go to their bedrooms and they would start wrapping these gifts. And I'm telling you right now, no diamond ring, no $1,000 watch was ever wrapped more carefully than what these gifts were wrapped in. And they would put them underneath the tree, and they were precious gifts. Amen. Now, you think about, compare the two in your mind. You've got these expensive cheese things, probably $50 a throw, that is being sent from office to office. And you have this little item that came from the dollar store. But which would you take? Do you understand? A thing that is given without love is just a thing. But when it's given with love, it makes it something special. Now put this into context. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This was not an obligatory gift of his. The gift was actually impossible to put a value on, but the gift was given in love, and that makes it infinitely more precious than just the gift itself. God gave us love at Christmas Get your mind to wrap around that. Number two, he gave us the gift of love, but he gave us the gift of peace. He gave us the gift of peace. The word peace at Christmas time is used almost as much as Rudolph and Jingle Bells. It's just a word that's used at Christmas. Almost everybody uses the word peace, but nobody takes it seriously. Sure, at Christmas time, most people try to be a little more forgiving. Most people try to be a little more generous. Most people try, as Dickens said, to open their hearts freely, to think of people below them as if they were fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on another journey. We try to have Christmas spirit of peace. But we aren't very successful. There isn't much peace in the pushing and shoving of holiday shopping. There is not much peace in the irritation that comes from a very hectic schedule. There's not much peace when the kids are fighting over the toys that they just opened in the, in the front room. 
most people look at peace at Christmas time like a Courier and Ives painting. How many have seen a Courier and Ives painting? Okay, so we, it's these placid scenes, a fireplace scene, where everybody's sitting around drinking hot chocolate. It's a, sn a sleigh going through soft snow with it snow slowly falling, and it's so beautiful. These are the pictures we have of Christmas peace. Let me ask you this. Anybody ever experienced that? Ever? In your lifetime? Let me ask you this. Can you envision your children sitting in front of a fire drinking hot chocolate for an hour without spilling it, without your older son trying to see how temper-resistant his brother's shoes are in the fire. Can you imagine your kids on a sleigh ride? You see this placid little thing. Can you imagine them without one of them falling out? Or one of them throwing things at the horse to see if they can go faster? Have you ever tried to do a family tradition of going and cutting the family Christmas tree? I hate to say this, but after about 45 minutes of that, that axe in your hand, <laughs> you start having visions that are not right. <laughs> Look, the reality is these visions of Christmas peace that we have, this Courier and Ives Christmas, does not exist. And even if it did, you wouldn't want it for more than an hour or, or, or less. We kind of like our life a little hectic. We like life, not just a painting of some traditional thing. We like our life a little wild like that. So here we think of Christmas peace in terms of something that won't exist and we wouldn't want even if we had it. But my friend, that has nothing to do with the peace that God gave at Christmas. God gave peace at Christmas. And this is a gift that is very, very, very important. Peace versus... I did it again. I didn't do it last week. I wasn't here last week. Peace as in emotional tranquility, is not what the Bible is talking about, is the peace that God gave. Peace, with the word war as its opposite, is what we're talking about. War and peace. The cessation of hostilities is the peace we're talking about. Put this in your mind. The war started in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve rebelled, God said, this is the way. And they said, we're not going that way. We're going our own way. And the rebellion started at that moment. Once the rebellion got started, how do you get out of it? Is there any hope of winning this rebellion? At any moment, you know that God could crush the rebellion. He could have at that moment. He could do it at this moment. He could crush the rebellion. Game over. Easily. How do you get out of it? Can you win the fight? There's no chance of winning the fight. 
What happens if you surrender? If you surrender, then judgment comes. Justice is going to be served. What does that look like? We all know what that looks like. None of us could stand in the judgment. So you have a fight started that you cannot win. And if you quit, judgment comes immediately. So what do you do? What man has done, you keep fighting. Just keep postponing the inevitable. God took a step from his side to end the hostilities. The judgment is still going to fall. But instead of falling on you, he lets it fall on his own son. So the hostilities can end. And peace between you and God is now possible. He was the injured party. He had no reason, no necessity to end the hostilities other than his love for you. And he ends the hostilities and brings peace between the two of you by taking the judgment, the justice that you deserve, and putting it on on his own son. My friend... God gave peace, the cessation of hostilities at Christmas. Number three, God gave love. He gave peace. It is also he gave the gift of eternal life. He gave the gift of eternal life. We won't spend a ton of time here because this is such familiar ground for most of us. But man only has two options. You realize that, right? You have two options, eternal life and eternal death. On his own, man's only option is eternal death. No, this doesn't mean to cease to exist. It means an existence in the absence of God. It means existence outside of the grace of God. Now, Unless you've really contemplated that, that probably doesn't scare you that much. You know why it doesn't bother you? If I, if I say the word fire, you guys, everybody here would say, ooh, be careful. Because we have experienced what it means to be burnt. If I mention hitting your thumb with a hammer, most of you would say, ooh, be careful there. That hurts. We have experience in that. And those things frighten us. To have them happen. The reason that being without the grace of God doesn't frighten us is because we've never done that. Not one second of your life have you lived outside of the grace of God. You may have not have known it, but you were living in the grace of God and have been continually. And to be without it, you say, oh, I don't even know. Because you've never been without it. But it is, without question, the most terrifying thing that can happen to an individual. That's eternal death. Separation from the grace of God forever. And what did God give at Christmas? Eternal life. When you put those two together and say, I'm bound for eternal death, but in this baby that's been given here, I can now have eternal 
life. This, my friend, is a very important gift. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's an amazing gift, eternal life, a life forever in the grace of God, as opposed to eternal death. God gave a gift of love, a gift of peace, a gift of eternal life. He gave the gift of a pattern. You have to follow me a little bit on this. He gave the gift of a pattern. Think about what's taking place at this time of, right now all across the country. For most people, they started opening gifts early this morning, so now all the gifts are opened, mostly around the world. And there are fathers who are now struggling. Because when they bought these items, they failed to read the really fine print on the box that says, some <laughs> simply required. And so now these dads are trying to assemble these toys, these items, these amazingly complex things, and they are struggling. Now, most of them will eventually get the thing put together for two reasons. There's a picture on the box. That's a great help for most men. If they really fail on that, there's always instructions in the box. That's last-ditch effort, okay? <laughs> but between the pictures on the box and the instructions in the box, the, most fathers will get through, and at the end, they'll have the thing put together. Because we have the pattern. But think about life. You were born, you were given life. You were given a body, you were given a mind that has abilities. You have the ability to think, you have the ability to do, you have the ability to learn, to plan, to feel, to love, to grow, to accomplish. Now what's the proper use of these gifts? What is the proper use of this life? It doesn't take much looking around to see that the average person is using these gifts for absolutely no purpose. You look at what they did with their life and you think, that was a total waste of time. That was a total waste of the gift that you were given of life. Why did you do that? But what do you do? What is the proper use of life? You know how we know? Because we were given the gift of a pattern. We have Jesus Christ who shows us exactly how life is supposed to be lived. What a life looks like when it is lived properly. What it ha when a life has value, this is what it looks like. This is a gift beyond our comprehension. It's such an amazing gift to have a proper pattern of a successful life. We do not have to guess anymore. We know what this life is supposed to be. It is an amazing gift, the gift of a pattern. We're given the gift of love, peace, eternal life, the pattern for life. It is also a gift of victory. It is a gift of victory. When I was in the 7th or 8th grade, my aunt and my uncle gave me for Christmas 
a kite. It was a very expensive, very complicated kite. It came from, if this will tell you anything, the, okay, the Smithsonian Institute. Does that tell you anything? It was in a cardboard tube about this big around, about that long. The cardboard tube was filled with tissue paper and various lengths of balsa wood and a very detailed set of instructions. <laughs> Can you see this at this moment? There were good pictures, there were good instructions, and everything that was needed for a really amazing kite. There was only one problem with the whole situation. You know what the problem was? Me, okay. It was beyond my capabilities to build this thing. I appreciate the gift, and it was very thoughtful of them to have given it, but I couldn't do it. I attempted it a couple of times. I don't know if you've ever been in these kind of projects when it's not going well, you just roll it back up and stick it back in the tube and think maybe later, and maybe later you pull it out and you roll it out and you work on it, and you, you know where it ended up? <laughs> in the landfill. It never became a kite. Look at all the instructions and all that, but it was beyond my capabilities. I just couldn't do it. No matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't do this thing. You know what this is exactly like with you looking at Jesus Christ and saying, oh, there's my pattern. That's what I'm supposed to be right there. I've got it. I'm going to... And you, wow, I failed that one. Wow, I didn't do that one. Man, I can't make this thing. But did you know that in Jesus Christ, at Christmas, you were given the victory in order to do these things, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He didn't just show you the pattern and say, get there on your own. In Christ, you have the victory in order to be conformed to that image. What a gift. The gift, not only of the pattern, but of the victory, the way to it, the accomplishment of the purpose of God, which is to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. It's a gift of love, peace, eternal life, pattern, the pattern and victory. Number six, it is the gift of eternal fellowship. It is a gift of eternal fellowship. Of everything I'm going to say today, I want you to understand this probably as much as or more than anything. And I'm going to use a personal illustration here that I've, I'm afraid to use for fear that people will take it wrong. So hear me now. I would not offend anyone. I would not hurt any feelings. I would not send you down the wrong path thinking here. In fact, if the people who were involved in this were alive today, I would not use this illustration because I would not hurt them for the world. You have to understand that before I say what I'm going to say. It's very important to me that you understand that because I would not speak, I'm not speaking ill, I'm just trying to give you the plain facts. And the only reason to do that is so that you can understand this one truth. Because if you can get a hold of this, it could make your Christmas, it could make your life. It's that important in my, in my thinking. So I'm gonna use this illustration. Under, it, expecting you to keep it where it needs to be. And you'll understand here in a minute. 
we grew up with two sets of grandparents, which is typical. My mom's folks and my dad's folks. My mom's, my dad's folks were what we considered our rich grandparents. I don't know how rich they were, but in our thinking, they were rich. When we would go to their house, we got from them the best Christmas gifts. One time I wanted a farm, I wanted farm, we were living in farm community, I wanted farm toys. What they bought for me was a solid metal Ertl tractor and baler. Opposed to the Dollar General plastic stuff that you get. Do you understand what I'm saying? They got us the real deal. Okay, so when you were going for Christmas, you were going to get the good gifts there. They treated us very well in that re regard. The only pair, of, probably the only pair of Nikes, I know the first pair of Nikes I ever owned, maybe the only pair I ever owned, they bought us. They bought, they took us up, multiple times, they took us up and bought us all brand new shoes. We would come to their house, wasn't unusual for them, it's, it's a different time period. You, young people won't understand this, it's a different time period. They'd give us a couple of dollars and say, go on uptown. No, uptown, I don't know, what is that, a quarter mile, half mile, dad? It's a long walk. Stacy would have been maybe third grade, I would have been fifth grade, and we would by ourselves walk uptown, quarter mile, half mile, whatever it is, all the way uptown to the five and dime store. Do you know what a five and dime store is to a kid with a couple of bucks in his pocket? You just can't even imagine unless you've been there in that. Open bins full of toys, not in boxes that you could actually play with there. As far as you could see, it seemed like. This whole place is just like a gold mine. And oh, Maryland's not here today. It was at the five and dime with some of grandma's money that I bought a rubber mouse and I put it on the organ. On a, and she's deathly afraid of mice, by the way. I didn't really understand that whole deathly afraid of mice thing until she almost had a heart attack on the organ that night. That was when I was in the sixth grade, I think. I have been repenting of that sin ever since. <laughs> and if she were here, I'd repent one more time because I nearly killed her right there at the organ. What an amazing thing with a couple bucks in your pocket. When we come back to the house, they had a refrigerator full of pop. Strawberry Shasta. That is... The sweetest nectar on earth is strawberry shasta. They would send us to the den. They had a, a room that was full of the best toys ever made on the planet was in that room. And a colored television, colored television set. And they had chairs that would spin. You could sit in them and they would spin so fast. <laughs> Grandma didn't know that. Sounds idyllic, except for that's all there was. Yeah. That's all there was. I cannot remember any conversation that we ever actually had. I cannot remember them ever teaching me anything. I cannot remember them ever doing anything with me or allowing me to help them do anything other than twice when I was in high school. It was, here's a couple bucks, go uptown. Here's your pop, go to the den. 
On the other side of that were our poor grandparents. They had been through the Depression, and it had left their mark. If anybody has relatives who went through the Depression, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You could tell that they had been through the Depression. Life was different there. That same Christmas that I got the Ertl tractor from Dad's folks, I got a Pomida tractor, the equivalent of Dollar General. Plastic, cheap. Every year we got the same things. I think up till I was sixth or seventh grade, I got the same plastic machine gun from Empire Toys, $1.25. Never anything fancy, no frivolous things. What they gave us was themselves. At every turn, they gave us themselves. Every day, for sure, for sure every week, but almost every day, something comes to my mind that they said or did. Yeah, they didn't give us the best toys, I can tell you everything they gave me, and in fact, I can show it to you. Because if I don't still have what they gave me, I went back and bought it. I searched till I found it, so I have it. I can tell you, I can't tell you how many things that they taught me. I cannot tell you how many memories that I have of them. Because they gave us themselves. Do you understand where I'm at here? Now, you've got to understand, like I said before, I'm not, I'm not throwing rocks here at all, but I need you to understand this. When you compare the two, now let's take that and put it where we need to put it. God gave you the gift of eternal fellowship. When you think about heaven, too often we think about streets of gold and a mansion and I get this nice thing and gates of pearls, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's not heaven at all. God is giving you the gift of eternal fellowship. He's not bringing you to heaven, sending you to the den with a good can of pop, as it were. He's bringing you to heaven to spend every moment with you. He is giving you of himself. If you could even get that much of that truth, it would make your Christmas. It would make your life. If you could understand that God is bringing you to heaven for eternal fellowship. This is such a an amazing thing. Let it sink in. Use the illustration, not to to think ill or whatever of anybody, but to understand that God isn't just giving you, okay, you can be in heaven with me over there. He's bringing you in to fellowship. And since your mind is always already going that way, Let's take one more step, which is point number seven. He gives you the gift of daily fellowship. Too often we think of heaven in terms of the future, and it is in terms of the future in some level. 
But God is not expecting you to wait until then to fellowship with him. He is offering you, and he gave it at Christmas, the possibility of daily fellowship with him. In his presence is fullness of joy. Is not meant strictly for the future, but for your life right now. He has given you that great gift. Daily, moment by moment, fellowship with him. I don't know what you're going to get for Christmas this year. You might have got it. You may be going to go home and open the gifts now. I'm telling you right now, whatever you get, no matter how much you want it, it's not going to change your life in any significant way. Significant way. It's just going to be something that's going to end up at the goodwill down the line. But when God gave his gifts at Christmas, he gave you the gift of love. He gave you the gift of peace. He gave you the gift of eternal life. He gave you the gift of, the, of a pattern. He gave you the gift of victory. He gave you the gift of eternal fellowship. He gave you the gift of daily fellowship with him. And you have to know, my friends, those are real Christmas gifts. Yeah. Let's pray.